Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. World Overcomers family, my name is Manny Arango, and we have spent three weeks together so far, and it is week four. Come on, if you've got perfect attendance for these Wednesday night uh, teaching experiences or teaching moments, can you just let me know in the chat? Come on, let me know in the chat real quick. Come on, four for four. Let's go, baby. Four for four. You've been here for four weeks in a row. Four weeks in a row. I want to talk not just to entrepreneurs tonight, but I want to talk to people with entrepreneurial dreams and entrepreneurial bent. Um, uh, entrepreneurial, uh, an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I don't think that you have to be completely self-employed just to be an entrepreneur. My little brother, Anthony Lewis, uh, is on his second house right now. And, and he's on his second house. He works for a company. He works nine to five. Uh, he is someone who is employed, all right? He's got traditional employment. But he bought a home uh, right before the pandemic started, stayed in it two years. But I mean, this dude learned how to make that house insanely attractive, made a whole lot of money after selling that house two years later, moved into another house, bought kind of the, 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 the roughest house in a very nice neighborhood and uh, has already like painted the exterior of the house, redone the kitchen, redone the living room. I mean, and is on his way to flipping a whole second house. And that's just in his spare time. I mean, my man's just working on his house on the weekends, on random weeknights, because Anthony is entrepreneurial. Even though he has a full-time job, he's entrepreneurial. And there is nothing stopping you from being an entrepreneur. Actually, I think that the message of entrepreneurship is very, very important for black people. Uh, if you're not aware, the mass incarceration of black men specifically is a massive issue. And if you come out of prison, your ability or your likelihood of getting gainful employment is low. It is very, very low. If you have a record, it's gonna be hard for you to get a job. But guess what? Can't nobody stop you from starting a business. So if you're watching this and there's a black man in your life that's been in prison and they have had trouble getting a job, can I tell you something? The, the, the employer may be able to stop you, but an entrepreneurial spirit is something that you are going to need if you're going to be successful. Because at the end of the day, uh, if you're working for an employer, um, whether you're working for an employer or not, there's an entrepreneurial drive that you need. And so I want to tell you, actually, I want to kind of uh, give you a little bit more information from last week. Let's, let's talk about stewardship a little bit more. Uh, and then we'll segue right into an entrepreneurial spirit, an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, there's three areas 
outside of just money that you're going to have to steward, all right? You're going to have to steward three areas that will ultimately lead to you making more money, earning more money, uh, being more wealthy, but um, we, we are going to, we're going to emphasize these three areas because I didn't get to them last week. Last week, I really talked about the stewardship of life and the stewardship of money. But there are three areas that you're going to have to steward, and the first one is time. If you're going to be wealthy, you have to be a good steward of your time. You cannot really waste time. You don't have a lot of time to waste. You don't have a lot of time on this earth. You don't have a lot of time in the day. Uh, so wasting time is just not really going to be advantageous to you if you are someone who wants to create wealth in your lifetime. The lie of the enemy is you can do it tomorrow. Procrastination is actually a lie of the enemy. You have tomorrow. You got tomorrow. The Bible says this, tomorrow is not promised to any man. Make the most of today. And so an entrepreneurial spirit really starts with you saying, I'm going to capitalize on today. What can I do today? I'm not going to put off for tomorrow what I can get done today. I'm going to budget my time. I think um, I read a statistic recently. It's like somewhere between 80 and 90% of millionaires are awake before 5 a.m. Why? Because time is valuable. Time is actually the only resource you can't get more of. You can get more money. You cannot give. You, you can get more money. You cannot get more time. So you're going to have to steward your time. Do you waste time? Are you wasting time hanging out with people who don't actually benefit you? What do you use your time for? Uh, are you stewarding your time well? Number two, words. You are going to have to be a good steward of your words. Uh, wealth is 100% attached to the things that come out of your mouth. I have been saying that I'm going to be a millionaire since I was probably 14, 15 years old. Nothing in my life at the time when I started saying that looked like I could ever uh, make millions of dollars or earn millions of dollars or attract millions of dollars. But I've been saying I'm a millionaire. I look at my son every day and I say three things. Oh, man, you're handsome, you're happy, you're healthy. You're handsome, you're happy, you're healthy. Because I'm believing that my son is going to be handsome, happy, and healthy. That's my prayer for him. From now until the time he grows into uh, probably his teenage years, then there's going to be some more prayers like you're also disciplined and you're wise uh, and you're not insecure. But for right now, handsome, happy, and healthy. Every single time we go to a doctor's appointment, right? It's like, hey, I've got a handsome, happy, healthy son. But he's a product of my words. If you are going to be an entrepreneur, it starts with your words. Your words. The only thing that made my wife believe that she should drop everything, including her last name, and follow me into the unknown are the things that I said. I said, I'm going to be successful. I'm hardworking. I've got a plan for my life. I have a vision. I can communicate it to you. Words. Words build things. And if you're going to be a builder, 
then you've got to build people up with the things that you say. Do people like working with you? Do you attract people easily? If people don't like working with you, it's going to be very hard for you to build a company. You don't want to be a solopreneur. You want to be an entrepreneur. A solopreneur is just somebody who may be self-employed, but that's it. They can't hire people because nobody really likes working with them. And there's a guy that came to my house uh, when I was selling my last house. Um, I made $100,000 on the sale of my last house. And the guy came over to my house because um, we needed some paint touched up and some electrical work. And anyway, this guy was doing some work and he was complaining that he was too busy. He was like, oh man, you know, it's just too busy. This house boom has caused me to be too busy. And you know, I, this is what I love to do. I love painting and, and doing this work. But you know, being this busy has made me have to hire more people and become a manager. And I was like, you didn't sign up to be an entrepreneur? Are you complaining about more money? You're complaining about more opportunity? Why are you complaining? Yes, hire people to do what you're doing right now. Why are you in my house? Why can't you hire somebody to do this and make money off of them being in my house? Be an entrepreneur. But he may not have the words. He doesn't have the ability to steward his words. He's talking to me as someone who is not just self-employed, but an entrepreneur. I have employees. I have payroll. I'm not just somebody making money on my own. I have a team. I have people who are pushing my business forward even when I'm not, like right now. I'm on stage talking to y'all, but there are employees that I hire that are pushing the business forward that are making a profit for the companies that I lead. So this gentleman, it's like, oh man, you're good with a paintbrush, you're good with whatever the skill is of your hands, but the real test is are you good with people? Can you grow people? Can you build people? And an entrepreneur doesn't have to be the most skilled at the stuff. You can hire someone to do the stuff as long as you are good with the people who do the stuff. The real, the real power, entrepreneurship, is a leadership skill. And if you're a Christian, you should be a fantastic leader because Moses was a leader. Elijah was a leader. Isaiah, Jeremiah were leaders. Micah was a leader. Malachi was a leader. Jer I already said Jeremiah, my bad. Daniel was a leader. Come on, Jesus is a leader. Peter was a leader. Paul was a leader. Let's talk to the women. Esther was a leader. Deborah is a leader. Lydia is a leader. Come on, there are leaders all through the Bible. So you don't really have an excuse to be a Christian and not understand leadership when there is an entire book outlining the lives of leaders. You should be a leader. If you have been painting houses for the last 20 years, then I would challenge you, put the paintbrush down and pick the people, pick a person up. And you should be hiring people who can hold paintbrushes. And as long as you can lead people, you can always grow and expand your business. Words. In order to be good with people, you got to be good with words. And number three, relationships. Relationships. You're only one relationship away from everything that you need to succeed as an entrepreneur. So uh, you should be stewarding uh, the gift of life. You should be stewarding the gift of money. But then you should be stewarding the gift of time, the gift of words, and the gift of relationships. 
These are things you should be stewarding. If there's a title for my message tonight, it's a lot with a little. A lot with a little. Uh, if there's a title for the message tonight, it's a lot with a little. Because really, there we go, a lot with a little. Really, the key to being an entrepreneur is turning a little into a lot. That's, that is the goal of being an entrepreneur, is taking two fish and five loaves and feeding the multitude. Doing a lot with a little. So, let me tell you how I started ARMA. ARMA, A-R-M-A, ARMA. And yes, I believe you should be an ARMA subscriber. If you're not an ARMA subscriber and you'd like to be, then you can text the word ARMA, A-R-M-A, -A, to 97000, or you can go to armacourses.com, armacourses.com. I realized uh, in the middle of the pandemic that traveling to speak was not going to be <laughs> advantageous, uh, that that is how I was making probably 85, 90% of my income was coming through me getting on an airplane, traveling and speaking. I realized uh, right as the first week of the pandemic started, as lockdown orders began to come into place, uh, as churches began to be shut down, we got hit with cancellation after cancellation after cancellation. And the question that God is always asking is this, what do you have? What do you have? Because you can do a lot with a little. This question is asked multiple times throughout the Bible. Uh, God says to Moses, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? And Moses says, this staff? And he's like, exactly, that staff. With that staff, you are going to do miracles. With that staff, you're going to split the Red Sea. With that staff, there's a, your staff is going to become a snake and swallow up pharaohs. With that staff, you are going to strike the rock and water's going to come out. With that staff. Because what you need is already in your hand. What you need is in your hand. I feel that. What you need is already in your hand. Elijah says to the widow uh, who's about to die on the brink of death, how many jars you got? What's in your house? Oh, you don't got enough jars? Go borrow some jars. And guess what? The oil did not stop flowing until she ran out of jars. Because the question that God asked Moses and the question that Elijah asked the woman are the same. What's in your hand? What's in your house? What's in your hand? What's in your house? I remember realizing speaking engagements was if I was just going to stay in faith, uh, I was going to actually slip into foolishness because the world was going to take time to open back up. And you know what I realized I had? I had a garage. I had a garage. I had a garage. I remember going home to my wife and saying, hey, babe, I got news for you. We're not making any money uh, by having this car in this garage. But it's going to be hard to take the groceries into the house. And I said, I don't think you heard what I said. We're not making any money by keeping this car in the garage. The car being in the garage doesn't make us any money. So I began to take inventory on what I had. I had a garage. What else? I had, uh, I had a, a bachelor's degree in biblical and theological studies. I had a master's degree in, in biblical and theological studies. I was in a doctoral program 
uh, to study the New Testament. So I realized I got a garage, I have an education. What else do I have? I have a graphic designer on my team who makes sermon slides for me when I travel to speak. What else do I have? I have an email list of people that have opted in to receive devotional plans from me. What else do I have? I have a social media following. What else do I have? I have an ability to pastorally relate to people and take all this nerdy information that I've learned in school and translate that into something that people can actually listen to. I'm not boring, okay? So I've been a pastor. I've dealt with people. What else do I have? And the list kept going on and on and on. And I realized that I can win with what I have. So we started a ministry called ARMA, A-R-M-A. And I realized, and I had a camera. There we go. That was the last thing I had. I had a camera. I had a garage. I had a camera. I had a social media following. I had an email list. I had the bare bones to build the ministry that was going to begin to financially sustain not just me, not just my wife, but five other employees. Because we would eventually, a couple of months after shutdown, after the shutdown, I think we lost all of our speaking engagements in March, the first shutdown orders happened in March of 2020. By June of 2020, ARMA was up and running. We had filed with the Secretary of State. We got our federal EIN number. We had bank accounts up and running. And I took that camera, sat in that garage, and recorded my first course on the Gospel of John. And most of us think we could win with what we don't yet have, but we underestimate how much we can win right now with what you have. I was talking to somebody recently, and I was like, man, if I had a voice like that, if I could lead worship like that, I'd be booked to lead worship at least 20 Sundays out of the year. Are you kidding me? You sound like an angel, and the Spirit of the Lord is on you, and you're anointed. Why isn't that gift bringing wealth into your life? If I were you, I would be, I, I, I'd be booked. I, I would have at least 20 to 25 Sundays where I'm traveling to lead worship at churches. If I had a voice like that and the person said, well, you know, I don't know how I would do that. And I said, have you heard of Instagram? Why don't you put clips of you leading worship on Instagram? They said, oh, I don't got a camera. I said, um, do you have a phone? The last time I checked, there's three cameras on the back of your one phone. What do you mean you don't have a... You, see, you want to tell me what you don't have. And I'm telling you, as long as you're focused on what you don't have, you won't have no money. That's what you won't have. You will continue to be broke if all your eyes can see is what you don't have. Can I tell you the truth? What I had was a garage. What I had was a camera. What I had was a graphic designer. What I had was heart. What I had was a brain. What I had was two sticks. And if I could rub them together fast enough, I could get fire. Because anyone who's more focused on what they don't have than what they do have is a sad somebody that will never generate wealth for themselves and for their family and for their community and for others. 
I started Arma with nothing, <laughs> nothing. And today, guess what? We went from one camera, that first camera we got, I bought that camera for $500. I'd, I bought it years before we ever started Arma. I just had a camera laying around the house. We hadn't really been using it. That camera had one lens. I put that one lens on that one camera. You know what? Today, after that first camera, we launched Arma. People started subscribing. Our subscribers went from hundreds of subscribers to thousands of subscribers. After the first couple hundreds of subscribers, I went, oh, time to upgrade the camera. Time to make the garage look a little better. Time to, uh, re time to revamp the website. Then every time we got more money, I put all that money back into the, into the ministry, right back into uh, growing Arma into what it would eventually become. It's not about what you don't have. I could have sat there and said, oh, I don't have my doctorate yet. You know, I'll start Arma one day after I graduate. No, what I got is enough. I could have sat there and said, oh, well, I don't have anyone to run ads for us. I could have sat there and say, oh, I don't know who's going to build the website for us. I could have sat there and said, I don't know who's going to edit the videos for us. I could have sat there, I could have told you all the things that I don't have, but that wouldn't make me an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs don't care about what they don't have. All they see is what they do have. And an entrepreneur says, oh, there's two fish? Oh, there's five loaves? Ah, oh, that's enough. We're going to get these two fish and these five loaves, and we're going to add in my energy and my sweat equity, and we're going to add in my morale, and we're going to add in my personality, and I'm a fun person to be around. So guess what? People like being around me, and I begin to invite guys over to the house. I remember hitting up Daniel Gwynn and Josh Harvin and Tyler Kim saying, hey, just come hang out with me. They would come to my house, hang out with me in my garage, and before they knew it, they had tools in their hand, they was building stuff, and they would leave my house saying, how do we build stuff? I said, because I use what I had. I know I've got a charismatic personality, so I lured you over here to build all this stuff for me. That's called free labor, homeboy. And I used what I had. I used what I had. Because an entrepreneur says, I'm going to take inventory on what I have, and I'm not going to be distracted by what I don't have. There's always going to be stuff you don't have. That's not an excuse as to why you cannot start doing what God has gifted you to do right now. Here's uh, a, a familiar passage of scripture, okay, that really drives home this point. I want to read this for us. Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to start reading in verse 14. Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to start reading in verse 14, and then I'm going to pick up on the story of how I started Arma. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 says this, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. So the first thing we got to know is that God gives us wealth according to our ability, okay? It's not our wealth, it's his wealth. We get to watch over it, and it's according to our ability. To give, if you're an entrepreneur right now, and there are employees that you have under you, one of the most foolish things to do is to give them something that their ability cannot sustain. So give someone 
who really should be handling five bags of gold, two bags of gold, is irresponsible on your part. But the reverse is also irresponsible. To give someone who really should have two bags of gold, five bags of gold, is irresponsible because they will ruin your business, they will ruin themselves, they will ruin your reputation. You cannot put more on people than their ability. So a good leader, a good, not a solopreneur, you don't need to worry about employees if you're just a solopreneur. But if you're going to be an entrepreneur, then that means you're going to be a leader. That means you're going to have to be intimately acquainted with the limitations and the capacity of the people who work for you. Uh, let's keep reading. The man who had received five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. because that's what entrepreneurs do. They turn five into 10. So also, the one with the two bags of gold gained two more, because that's what entrepreneurs do. They double whatever they have. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And here's what I want to tell some of us. Some of us have hid our master's money. God has given you a gift that would bring great wealth into your life. And you've gone, you've gone off, and because of insecurity, or because of comparison, or because of doubt, or because of a list of things you don't have, you have gone off and you have hid your master's money. God gave me a gift to talk. And when I die, I will get to heaven, and I will have to give God an account for what I did with this gift to talk to people. I will have, I can talk to people whether there's nobody in a room and I'm talking to a camera. I can talk to people if there's 15 people in a room with me. I can talk to people whether it's a stadium of 10,000. God has given me an ability to sit in front of people, stand in front of people, hold a microphone and talk. And that one gift should bring millions of dollars into my life. And you have to ask yourself the question, if there's a gift on your life, is there someone with the same gift making more money than me? If there's a gift, if I'm a drummer, okay, if I'm a drummer and I'm only making hundreds of dollars a week, are there drummers that make hundreds of thousands of dollars a week? I have to ask myself, is the problem the gift or is the problem the person who the gift has been entrusted to? Because if you go bury your gift in the ground somewhere, that means you have buried your master's Wealth, your gift is your wealth. And I know so many people who have decided, you know, like, I just can't find no opportunities. You know, no one gave me an opportunity to preach. Are you joking? I started preaching at a nursing home when there were no opportunities. I started preaching at a juvenile detention center. There were no opportunities. Real entrepreneurs create the opportunities. If you ask me what my real gift is, I would say my real gift actually isn't preaching. My real gift is the entrepreneurial brain and the entrepreneurial spirit behind the preaching. And I would contest for any black person who's watching, if you can sell drugs, you're an entrepreneur. That's entrepreneurship at its finest. So if you can sell something that's illegal, then guess what, homie? You can sell something that is legal because you have the ability to make a lot out of a little. Just keep reading. After a long time, I'm in verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. 
The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold came also. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. See, the other two don't have that perspective about the master. You always see, victims will always create a narrative in their head about why they don't have the same opportunities as everybody else. It's all about what you see. We'll get into that in a second. Let's keep going. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not yet sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Question mark, verse 27. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I gotta teach this principle to you. Returning back to God what he has given to you makes you a wicked and lazy servant. God does not expect for you to return back to him what he gave to you. If God gave you one bag, he expects you to give him two. If God gave you two bags, he expects him to give you f he, he expects you to give him four. If God gave you five bags, he expects you to give him 10. God doesn't expect for you to return what he gave you. He expects that you would return what he gave you with interest, doubling it because you have an entrepreneurial spirit. See, God gives, then we multiply, and then we return it. God gives, we multiply, then we return the multiplied version. See, God gives gifts in raw form. Raw form. When I started preaching at 12 years old, I didn't sound like this. When I started preaching at 12 years old, I didn't know as much Bible as I know right now. When I started preaching at 12 years old, I was nowhere close to the level of expertise that I have today. Even 10 years ago, when I moved to North Carolina, and I started preaching at World Overcomers at 26 years old. I was not the communicator that I am today at 34 years old. But you know, 
I worked my gift and worked my gift and worked my gift. I, teach, I attended preaching seminars. I, I remember being the youth pastor here, taking two days off, driving all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina, because I heard there was a communication masterclass happening in Charlotte, North Carolina. I invested in my gift. I honed my gift. I got coaches for my gift. I got back into school to make sure that I could always be adding value to my gift because when I stand before God, he's not going to want the gift in raw form that he gave to a 12-year-old boy. He's going to want the two fish and the five loaves to get multiplied because he wants a return on his investment. He wants a return on his investment. Can I ask you a question? What are you currently doing with the gifts that are in you? Have you allowed the gifts that God has deposited in you to become dormant? Have you, become, have you allowed the gifts that God has given you that you should actually be using to create freedom, wealth, and opportunities for other people to fill this world with what it actually needs? Have you been using those gifts in a way that has not increased their capacity so that when you return them to God, you're going to return it to him the same way you received it. Man, okay, let's keep moving. I got a lot to do and not a lot of time. I want to show you a principle. I want to show you a principle from God's word. It's called the bread seed principle. The bread seed principle. I'm going to take you to two passages of scripture. I'm going to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. I'm also going to take you uh, to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10. I'm going to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, and then I'm going to take you to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10. Okay? We're going we're gonna to see that this same principle exists in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says this. Now he who supplies seed to the sower, I need you to see that, seed for the who? For the sower. Okay? Now he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 and 11 says this. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed to the sower and bread for the eater. Seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Seed for the sower and bread for the eater. We have this exact same concept in 2 Corinthians and in Isaiah chapter 55. That God provides seed for whom? For sowers. And then he provides bread for whom? For eaters. Seed is for sowers. And bread is for who? For eaters. So I have to make a decision. Every time I get money, I have to ask myself, do I want God to place me on the bread plan or do I want God to place me on the seed plan? Do I want to be on the bread plan or the seed plan? Because if I eat everything that God gives me, he will conclude that I am an eater. And eaters don't get seed. Eaters get bread. And God is a good father. 
Just because you are on the bread plan does not mean he's going to make you starve. He'll give you daily bread. But every day you got to keep coming back for more bread. He'll give, I call this God's welfare system. He go, he'll give you bread. He'll give you bread. He'll give you bread. He'll give you bread in the physical and in the spiritual. He'll give you bread. He'll give you bread. He'll give you bread. He'll just keep on giving you bread. As long as you eat everything, he'll give you bread. Because eating is the proof that you should be on the bread plan. Your actions have shown God which plan you should be on. And your actions have placed you on the, let's type it together, bread plan. I personally don't want to be on the bread plan. I'd much rather like to be on the seed plan. Because here's what happens with seed. If God gives you seed, you have to plant that seed in order to get wheat. When you get wheat, you have to then harvest that wheat. When you harvest that wheat, you then have to manufacture that wheat, and you have to process that wheat and turn that wheat into bread. But when you do that whole process, guess what you have? Generational wealth because you can only get one piece of bread at a time if you keep coming to God for bread after bread after bread after bread. But if he gives you seed, you can plant a field of wheat and provide bread for hundreds and thousands of people and become self-sufficient. But you have to decide, I'm not going to put seed in my stomach. I'm going to control my appetite. Oh, I'm preaching. Good. I wish there was people in the room to say amen. You can say amen in the chat because a lot of us, guess who's getting God's money? You know you should be tithing. You know you should be investing. You know, you know that you should be living a life that is spontaneously generous, systematically generous, and sacrificially generous, but Starbucks keeps getting you God's money. You would tithe, but you keep eating out. You would tithe, but you keep finding new clothes on, on social media. You would tithe, but you want the new iPhone. You have an appetite, so you eat everything that comes into your life because you have a greed problem. And for a lot of us, the reason you're buying clothes all the time is because you're comparing yourself to somebody else who got more money than you anyway. The reason that you're eating out all the time is there's groceries at your house chilling in your refrigerator and you are too lazy to do what you have to do and you keep doing what you want to do. And God just puts you on the bread plan. He's not going to let you die. He's not going to let you starve. He's a good parent. But you're never going to be able to build generational wealth. Because in order to build generational wealth, you have to have seed. And you have to manage seed well. I'll tell you, Arma started as a seed. I remember um, March went by, uh, April went by, May went by, no speaking engagements. I mean, we're depleting our savings account because at that time I was a solopreneur. Okay, I was a solopreneur, uh, hoping and believing that people would book me to travel and preach. And, um, you know, a pandemic hit and we were not able to travel and preach. And all the conferences that had booked me for events began to send cancellation emails. So now we're running low on our savings account, trying to pay my mortgage. And um, two organizations actually ended up paying me like $10,000. 
in, in, in right towards the beginning of, I think, June, actually. And I remember driving home. Uh, there, I had two checks, about a $6,000 check and a $4,000 check. And God said, that's not bread, that's seed. And I said, well, I got a mortgage, you know what I'm saying? How's that going to work? And God said, I said, that's not for you to eat. That's not for you to consume. That's not for you to enjoy. That $10,000 is seed. I said, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do with it? He said, you're going to do three things. The first thing, you're going to tithe because that's what we do with seed. We sow it. We tithe it. Second thing that you're going to do is you're going to buy Delta stock. So I made sure I bought a bunch of Delta stock. We had to be, it was still pandemic times and Delta stock had plummeted. Because if you can tithe but not invest in the stock market, then tithing hasn't taught you how to have faith. Uh-oh. What good is it to practice this idea of investing and you only use it in church? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to practice this muscle of I'm giving into something that I cannot see and I'm believing for a return on my investment when you only do that in church. And for some of us, we barely do it at church. Doing it in church should be training you to do it in life. So yes, God said tithe, and then God told me stock to buy. Because what good is discernment and a prophetic gift if God can't give me a prophetic understanding on what property to buy and what stocks to invest in. I just go ahead and say, if God wants me to have these skills for my spiritual life, then that should impact my natural life so that my natural life can continue to fuel the ministry that God is doing around the globe. So I bought Delta stock and then God said, remember that garage you have? I was like, yep. He said, I want you to buy cameras, buy lights, and turn that garage into a studio. I turned that garage into a studio, which meant I took that $10,000, and instead of using it to pay my mortgage, instead of using it to go on date night, instead of using that for another dope pair of sneakers, I used that $10,000 as tuition for that doctoral program to build that studio, to buy Delta stock, and to give to my local church. And today, Today, the seed, that $10,000 seed that I sowed into a garage is today, we've gone from one camera to two cameras to three cameras to four cameras to a cheap lens to expensive lenses, from a one-car garage to a two-car garage. We've gone from one person on staff to two people on staff to three people on staff to four people on staff to five people on staff. And every single time I think about new subscribers and new people coming to Arma and new people watching courses and new people becoming biblically literate, I think back to the moment that I made the decision that this money in my hand is not bread for me to eat, but this money in my hand is seed for me to sow. And because I sowed the seed into the good soil of my own life, what happened? I then began to reap a harvest, and now Jordan King is on payroll, and Jayon is on payroll, and Andy is on payroll, and, and Elijah is on payroll, and Deborah is on payroll, and Brandon is on payroll. Yes, I just listed all of my employees. And all those people, guess what they get? 
They get to eat bread because I sowed seed. They get a direct deposit because I made a decision to do the hard thing. And that's what makes an entrepreneur an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur does not confuse bread with seed. Because if you eat everything, God will put you on the bread plan. But the moment you begin to sow and sow and sow and sow and sow, God looks up and says, looks like we got a sower on our hands. And I know exactly what to give sowers. I give sowers seed and I give eaters bread. So if you want to get stuck on the bread plan, keep on eating everything. If you want to get on the seed plan, keep sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing because you want to be easily identified as a sower, not an eater. Three keys that you're going to need to be an entrepreneur. You're going to have eyes to see. Eyes to see what it is that you have. You cannot focus on what you do not have. Insecurity will kill you. Doubt will kill you. Fear will kill you. If the voice of insecurity, comparison, doubt, jealousy, if, if those are voices that are loud in your head, you need to get delivered. You need deliverance. If those voices... If you don't have the power to shut those voices up in your head, then you need a stronger relationship with the Lord so that you can actually have eyes of faith to see all of the things that are in your house. Do you have a garage? Do you got a phone? What do you have? Stop talking about what you don't have. If you're going to be a great entrepreneur, you're going to have to have eyes to see. You have to see opportunity all around you. Number two. You're going to have to have excellence to stand out. You're going to have the eyes to see, and then you're going to have to have excellence in order to stand out. You should be excellent. You should be excellent. You should not be cutting corners. You should be a stickler for excellence. You should absolutely uh, be someone who is anal about how excellent everything is. Um, if you become an Armour subscriber, you will begin to see the progression of the studio, but it's always been excellent. Even when it wasn't perfect, it was excellent. And it was as excellent as we could make it. And number three, you're gonna have to have equipping hands and an equipping attitude to grow people. Number one, you're gonna have to have eyes to see. You're gonna have to have excellence to stand out. And third, you're gonna have to have equipping hands and an equipping attitude to grow people because it's people that grow organizations, people that grow businesses. You're not just trying to grow a company. You've got to grow the people who are going to grow that company. And you've got to be somebody who grows big people, grows people who are full of faith. You're going to have to be a cultivator. And in order to do that, your words, your relationship, and your time is going to be necessary, which are the three Areas to steward that I gave you at the top of the message. Your time, your words, and your relationships are going to be necessary if you are going to have eyes to see, excellence to stand out, and equipping hands and an equipping attitude to help people grow. So how about this? How about you prove right now that you are not an eater, but that you are a sower? There's instructions to give right on the screen. You should always be walking into moments where someone's taking up an offering at church, thinking to yourself, what am I saying about myself by what I'm giving? Do I believe I'm a sower? If I believe I'm a sower and I want God to put me on the seed plan, 
then I'm going to give X. But if I'm really an eater and, yeah, going without Starbucks for the next month is just not, that does not sound appealing to me. I, I really do want the bread plan. Then you can ignore moments like this. It's totally up to you. But I've decided, nope, I'd much rather grow a farm than be down at the grocery store trying to get bread every day. I do not want to be on God's welfare system. Now, his welfare is dope. I mean, his welfare is great. Uh, but it is not the entrepreneurial life that I think God has called you to live. And it is not the life that is going to lead to you hearing the words, good, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let me pray for everyone who's deciding I'm going to be a seed sower. I want to get on God's seed plan tonight. Come on, if you're sowing, I want to pray for you. God, I thank you right now for every person sowing seed into this church, into World Overcomers. They're giving to a church that is good ground. God, I ask that right now that you would multiply their seed, that God, that you would multiply it 30, 60, and 100 fold. God, I thank you that by the power of the blood of Jesus, the curse that was on the ground in Genesis 3 that made it hard for us to produce, God, that curse has been lifted. So God, we thank you for fruitfulness. God, we thank you for an entrepreneurial spirit. God, we thank you for an entrepreneurial determination to be people uh, of excellence so that we could glorify you in everything that we do. God, we pray that in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. Come on, can you type amen together in the chat? Can you say amen in the chat? Hey, my prayer is that these last four weeks have been a blessing to you. My prayer, my hope is that these last four weeks have been so substantial for your spiritual growth. I started this thing called ARMA about almost two years ago where we're growing and it's fun. And uh, I get to teach people the Bible as, as like my whole side gig. It's pretty cool actually. And uh, we drop courses every single month. Uh, if you're listening to me right now, you're probably more familiar with my preaching, but I didn't just want to preach. I think God wanted me to also teach. So ARMA is a platform where I teach. I teach the Bible, I teach theology. If you're interested in learning uh, and interested in me teaching you about all kinds of topics, how about you go to armacourses.com and become a subscriber today. If you do that, DM me, let me know. I love keeping up with our subscribers. Till next time, if you're a part of World Overcomers, we'll see you here in the building on Sunday. If you're not, if you're just watching from around the world, I hope that you've enjoyed this sermon series. How about you subscribe to the YouTube channel and we'll see you next time. Peace. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.